Um, when it comes to praise, man, um, what is praise? Can someone look up the definition of praise for me? What's the definition of praise? Someone with a device that can look it up for me. What does it mean to praise someone? <coughs> and there might be multiple definitions that we can kind of glean from. Go ahead, Jay. Um, express more approval or Say it again, boss. Express more approval or admiration. Admiration, yeah. Anybody else? I don't know if there's another definition that goes with that. Jaden, is there anything else below that? I guess we'll stick with admiration. And so that song said, patiently praising, right? Can I get three people to tell me three things or one thing that you're waiting for, that, you're, that you've been praying to God about, that you've been just waiting for, wishing would happen soon? Get, yes? An offer. Offer. So you patiently wait for an offer, right? <clears throat> what else? Anybody else? Yes, sir? Good grades. Good grades. What else? Shoes. Shoes? Anybody else? We'll do two more. So there's a lot of things. That we, some, of, some of these things are probably unspoken. Some of the things that you guys may have in your heart you may not want to share. Uh, some people are patiently waiting for their, for their family to come together. Some people are in this room maybe patiently waiting for, uh, for life to change for them. And, and it can be discouraging at times. It, it can be um, hard to praise God in the middle of a storm, right? Uh, especially when it don't make sense, but I, I always counsel people, advise people that, that I have to continue, you have to continue to praise him, no matter what's going on, because people want God to take them out of the storm, but it's the storm that God is using to make them. Listen, I am the, the man that I am today is not because of the sunshine, it's because of the storms I face. Storms, challenges, adversity builds character. It is the ABCs of life that I want you to remember. A, B, C. Ad- adversity builds character. Why is character important? Okay, so, yeah. Why is having the right kind of character important? Yes, sir. It defines who you are. Like, when you look at movies, <clears throat> you can almost spot the villain. You can almost spot the superhero. The character has already been defined. The character was defined when? Of movies, books, and stuff. When was the character defined? Huh? Uh-uh. What I'm talking about before that. The character was defined in a design. What I mean by that is that the, the author was like, okay, let me, okay, we got to have a, a protagonist. We have to have a whatever the other, other one, antagonist, I think. And so the design of the story defines the character. So God is the original designer of us. He designed you. The Bible says, you heard this verse many times, especially for me, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully means that he made us with fear, with respect. He made us with, with reverence. And like, they're like he was very in the details of you, that, that he made you that height. He made you that bright or that dark or whatever the color is. <clears throat> he made you creatively, right? And so he has the original design of your character. Now, what are some of your favorite parts of a movie? Some, some people, I like the beginning. Well, let me ask this question. What's your favorite type of movies? Action. action? Why action movies? It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's your favorite action movie of all time? 
You said what? But you said Ratatouille? I can't say all the time. I can say recently. Recently, yeah. The Batman movie, right? Why'd you like it? It was like, it was crazy. It was crazy? That's what's up, what's up? So what else? What are some other good movies y'all like? Ride Along 2. Ride Along 2, why is that? I understand. Ain't no wrong with that. <clears throat> well, let me ask you this. Who's your favorite uh, actor or actress? Shia LaBeouf? Chad with Bo- uh, Bozeman? Yeah. So... The Rock. So what we're saying is, is that Kevin Hart, he's funny. So the thing about movies is that, like, my favorite movies is um, the Taken series um, and um, Denzel's uh, Equalizer. I like those kind of movies. Man, I love suspense movies. I like I like movies that that gets me thinking. Like, is he a friend or is he an enemy? Uh, all that kind of stuff. But but there before there's actors, before there's characters, there are writers. The writers are the ones that determine the script, that determine the actors, that determine the actresses, that determine the, the story plot, that determines the love movie, that determine the suspense movie, all that kind of stuff. So there are writers. Who gets paid? Not well, I'm not going to say the writer, who gets paid more, but the writers get paid significantly because they're the ones that created the, the idea. So when it comes to God and us, he has a designed character that he wants us to be defined by. And so some of the things that we, we get kind of confused is that when adversity comes, and we all seen those movies when your favorite person, they, they always do this, your man's getting beat up. And everybody's like, ah, oh, man, he getting beat up, he getting tossed over here and thrown over here, and then all of a sudden we all know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? He's going to come back. <laughs> all right? But it wasn't when he was with his girl. It wasn't when, you know, whatever, whatever, that, that built that character in him. It was the adversity. Can someone look at the definition of adversity for me? Adversity. And you can shout out whoever got it. It's fine. Gotcha. Thank you, brother. Difficulties. 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 So when you understand that in life, in order for me to build the character that I need, the Christ-like character, the character of how I'm supposed to treat women or how, uh, or how you're supposed to treat men or how, how you're supposed to treat um, other people. Like, like I never trust a person that if I'm at a restaurant with somebody and they mistreat the server, I'm done with that person. If you mistreat people who serve you, then you're going to mistreat me one day when you look at me as a servant. Right. And so character is important. And your character is what you do when no one sees. That's who you really are. Plenty of movies when a person in public looked a certain way. But then all of a sudden, the back story, the back behind the scenes, you're like, man, that guy ain't really loyal. That guy or that girl is not faithful. That that person is is out to do something else. But in public, they portray something else. So hidden adversity produces public character like adversity in life will make you it will mold you so now when you raise your praise your praise can be raised because you understand that i have to go through the adversity in order for me to build the character i need so when people see my movie do you know you are a movie 
Right now, I am living the Azzy movie. You know, I'm, this is this is the movie that that uh, that heaven is watching. You all are watching some scenes, and 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 I gotta make sure that that I'm expressing the character. That won't destroy my name down the road. That's why a good name, the Bible says, should be desired above riches. How? What? What? Why is a name, or how is a name more valuable than money? How is a name more valuable than money? A good name more valuable than a lot of money. Get you certain places. Yep. Names like like right now, um, my name can get me certain places I don't got to pay a dime to. You see what I'm saying? And that's valuable. Like the more you invest in your name, you got to like we said maybe two weeks ago, you got to invest in your name to such a degree that you treat everybody the same. Your name must treat everybody the same. For I don't care if it's uh, uh, you treat you treat uh, Minister Lonnie, the cafeteria worker, the same as you treat Miss Riley. Like like everyone has to be the same, no matter who. If it's peers in your room, because you don't know who their parents are, you don't know what doors they can get you in, right? And so your name will precede you. And your name will determine how, how well you succeed. So when you understand that, you will say, okay, I got I to gotta allow God to work on my character. So now it gets me to the point that I want to talk about when it comes to storms or patiently uh, praise, right? The, 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 the singer was saying that I will still raise my hands. I will patiently praise you even while I wait. Why do you think God delays things? Why do you think he's going to delay uh, maybe not some of these things, but he may delay some other things in your life. Why do you think delays are important? To protect you. To protect you? Yep. What else? That might be really the main, not the main reason, but probably the biggest reason is that God, God is all-knowing. He knows what's up the road. He knows that, for friend Samajay, when he goes to that college... God wants to make sure that before he gets the offer, he has something to offer. Before I give him the offer, he needs to have something to offer, meaning that, that he has to offer a character that will not only play a major role on the field, but also play a major role off the field. Because if you get the offer before you have anything to offer, then you're not going to be um, successful. Because how many people you've heard or known that got the offer, but then lost the offer? The Bible says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Anyone who's in me or is in me will bear much fruit. Those who don't bear much fruit, the Bible says he prunes so that it bears more fruit. So God knows that the offer, how much does an offer weigh to you, Samaja? How much does it mean to you? A lot. A lot. So a lot. Do you know <clears throat> that we cannot really... Weigh what this, how much this weighs. So now, with a balance, you know what a balance is, right? <clears throat> Y'all seen those things? Uh, I think I did it right. Yeah. So Samaje must balance out the offer. What happens when if the offer is bigger than Samaje? The offer is heavier. This module, what's gonna happen? It's gonna toss him. It's gonna toss him because he has to match the weight of the offer. He has to match in character what the offer wants him to have or produce. If not, 
the parties at the college, the girls at the college, the drugs at the college, the opportunities at the college, it's going to, it's going to toss them off. So he has to already be go through adversity to build the character needed to balance out the offers. Like, like before God can offer me, before God offered me a wife, I had to make sure I can balance out women. If I didn't know how to balance out women, then I'm going to miss the offer of marriage. Because what happens when my wife is, is uh, whatever, whatever, and all of a sudden we get in an argument, and then all it takes is one girl with a new skirt to come around, and all of a sudden my skirt out of my marriage, and then all of a sudden now I'm tossed out of it. So now you got to always remember your character must balance out whatever it is that you want. If not, you're tossed off the balance. Right. So now when it comes to waiting patiently, I can still praise God and and raise my praise, knowing that God, your timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. About what's the song say? He may not come when you want him. Oh, that's before y'all's time. That was those old saints. That, that, that was when I was a baby. That was when I was yay high when they were singing that. Uh, 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 he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Like like. You may think it may be your it may be the last month of your twelfth grade year, Samaj, before you get an offer, and you got to still praise him. You it, it, that's that's the mentality that it may take the last day of my of my senior year before I get an offer, but you got to you got to patiently wait because what if you cannot want this or these things more than you want God? Why? Why is it dangerous to want something, anything, a relationship, money, success? Why is that uh, 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 not? Why is not good to want that more than God? That's right. Both are correct. I have to make sure that I understand that my praise helps me raise. How does praise help you raise? And what I mean, by, I, I know I'll be th- tossing stuff out there, but it makes sense to me, but it might not uh, click. But the more I raise my praise, the more I raise myself. Higher vibration, higher uh, way of feeling. Like it doesn't matter what I go through, man. People last year, y'all, I rode the bus with y'all for like four months to the other side. It didn't steal my praise. When I was in the hospital for nine weeks with my wife and daughter, it instilled my praise. It instilled it from me because I know God is good. God has always been faithful to me. So I will never lower my praise down, no matter what adversity I'm going through, because I know adversity builds character. So when I raise my praise, it raises me. It raises me to a higher level of frequency. It raises me to a higher level of vibration. All of a sudden, Mr. Ez, y'all don't even know how bad my night was. It wasn't bad, but you don't know when I'm going to have a bad night because when I walk through those doors, I leave it at the door. That's why when Chris, Chris don't even know why I be letting him go in front of me. I let the kids, I, I have this thing in my mind where I say, before I walk in this door, it don't matter what sleep I didn't have. I only had two hours sleep last night, and I'm still giving y'all like I had eight. Because I can't lower my praise. I can't lower my performance when God has been good to me because I don't know if this is the message that's going to change somebody's life. I don't know if this is going to be the message where when you're in the middle of a storm, you're going to be like, man, Mr. Eddie told me to raise my praise. That's why it ain't no coincidence Nathaniel picked this song. Now I'm vibing with it. Now I feel the Holy Spirit. And now I know for a fact that that was purposeful. So whatever you're waiting for right now, praise him in advance. Because you already know God is going to come through. And some of you all may not have lived long enough to actually be in this, this, this vibe. But I'm telling you, man, one day this message is going to hit home and you're going to remember these ABCs. 
You're going to be like, while I go through the storm, the storm is actually cleaning me. The storm is actually purifying me. The storm is actually building me. Therefore, I'm going to continue to raise my praise because the devil wants you to lower your praise. Because you got to always stay at a constant level of admiration of God. Like, God, I admire you. That no matter what, I don't care if it feels like you're far away. I don't care if it feels whatever. I still admire you. And I'm going to raise my praise because I know this is temporary. So what are you waiting for? Some say shoes. Some say grace. Some say offers. But a lot of you waiting for some big things, some, some significant things. And you feel as if God is not there. And I had a person ask me a question on YouTube the other day. And it was like... Um, uh, what do I do when God, it was yesterday? What do I do when God feels far? I said, man, you got to change your feel from from feel to facts. How many people in here has at one moment felt like God wasn't there? We've, I've been there. Felt like God wasn't there. Let me help you with that. It is it is in God's character to be always there. The Bible said He's a present help. Do you know God is 10 billion times greater than Siri? So when you need to look up something, what do you do? You press, well, I don't even got Siri on because it creeps me. I don't like Siri. Uh, I don't like nobody that listens to me all the time talking about Siri, you know, turn on this. You know, I'm like, I cut Siri off. Soon as I get the phone, soon as, the first thing I do when I unbox, <laughs> Siri off. <laughs> I don't trust Siri, man. You know, anyway. But anyway. But you see how Siri's a present help? Do you understand where they got that from? The Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is always there. So when people feel like God is not there, it's because they're correlating the feelings of people who left them before to God not being there. But God is always there. Is that we don't understand who he is and why he's there. God is always there. God is always listening. God is always there to help. But a lot of us put man experiences with men or women on a God. And so basically we'll say, well, if my mom left me, my dad left me, if, if they don't listen and he don't listen, then God don't listen. And God said, man, I'm always listening. I'm always there to help. So that's why it's important to have a song. I challenge you all to do this. You can call it uh, um, my storm playlist or something, or when I go through a storm playlist or uh, um, yeah, yeah, uh, whatever, whatever you want to title your playlist and put some songs on there. Put some songs in that's going to raise your praise. Because praise confuses the enemy. The enemy's looking at you and be like, man, you still going to praise God when, when your dad's still not there, your mom's still not there, the, 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 y'all still sleeping in the same uh, one-bedroom apartment, and, and, and you're going through this, and you still going to praise him? Yes, because adversity builds character. And the designer of my story is wanting to define me. Every superhero we, we, we're connected to, we're connected to because they survived the storm. You're someone's superhero. Somebody's watching you. Somebody needs you to survive. They, they need you to stay in a high level of vibration in regards to praising God. Stay in a constant <coughs> mental state of admiration. That God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you because I know this storm is temporary. Have you ever seen a year-long storm? Hurricanes last a day and a half. <laughs> It'd be bad to you. And the guy on the camera, hey, we out here in Florida. And oh, buddy, this storm, it sure is blowing. And you'd be like, dang, my man's get out of there, man. It's crazy. And the next day, it's sunny. The issue is we make storms permanent when they were only meant to be temporary. 
How can we make temporary storms permanent? In what ways can we make temporary storms permanent or last longer than they should? Thinking about the effects. Mental. That's big. Mental. Do you know how many people, just off that alone, the guy broke up with them two years ago. I deal with with these people all the time. The girl broke up with them two years ago, but still living in their mind. That's crazy. Physically, the storm has been over. But mentally, the storm is still there. So many people are allowing people to live in their mind rent-free. At least have them pay a bill. <laughs> if they're going to live in your mind rent-free, at least let them pay. All right? But what I'm saying is that so many people don't understand that. Oh, yes, ma'am. See, Miles. Yes, of course. Good morning, young people. Come on through, Miles. Yeah. Miss Riley, won't you? So, mental. So many people are like, man, they keep a permit. They make a temporary storm permanent because they keep thinking about it. I tell people all the time, man. Gain from the pain. Don't stay the same because of the pain. So mental is big. Sometimes you got to say, I got to forgive them mentally. I got to let them go mentally. I got to let them go so the storm can go. Brainstorms. Double entendre there. We have a lot of brainstorms when we should be brainstorming. (coughs) Brainstorms mean that I'm allowing my brain. It's always raining in my brain. Brainstorming is how can I figure out to make this pain gain? All right, let's turn in our books. Um, what page are we going to go in our books today? We're going to be finishing up part two of Jesus being incarnate. And um, I think it's page 37. So the main focus of, of this part of the book is dwelling, 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 dwelling with us. That Jesus um, dwells. He dwelt among us and now he dwells in us, right? Dwelt is past tense, I think, and dwell is present tense. Dwelt means that he walked on earth. He was actually a man walking on earth. He dwelt among us. He walked 20 miles to Capernaum. He, 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 went, he walked miles to Galilee. He dwelt, dwelt. He was amongst the people. He felt the people. Now, he said, I got to get up out of here. I love kicking with you all. I love the fish plates. I love eating fish and potatoes, fish and chips. I love it. But now I got to go above it. I got to rise. I got to get up out of here because if I don't, I can't dwell in you forever because the body will eventually die. Jesus in his bodily form could not live a thousand years, even though the God in him could live. Fully God can live forever. The body naturally stops. So he says, man, in order for me to keep you from stopping in life, I got to dwell in you. So I'm going to read this. It says in Bethlehem, however, Christ actually became man. The incarnation does not mean that God dwelt in man, but that God became man. He became what he was not before, but he never ceased to be all that he was before. It is important to note here that in becoming man, Christ did not cease to be God. So that we talked about how one little DNA, like, like for instance, <clears throat> what sh- and I told you about this yesterday, what shocks me about having a kid is that that kid in eight weeks old is doing stuff like me. Squirming, moving around, and then all of a sudden, knocked out sleep. I'm like, fam, you done spent 25 minutes moving around, now you sleep? Or the, the how observant she is, <clears throat> just one little DNA, one little speck of me, one little part of me, and now she has just about all of me, right? And that is significant. So God is saying, man, yes, just because I became a man, I did not cease to be God. I was always God. 
I just took on bodily form because of a purpose I had to fulfill. Now it says, dwelt among us comparisons between Christ and the tabernacle. The Greek word for dwelt means as in a tent, tabernacled or pitched his tent. This translation involves the idea of a temporary living quarter. So what he's saying, he, he dwelt because dwelt is past tense, dwelt is temporary. For at least 33 years, Christ pitched his tent, meaning he built a tabernacle. He dwelt among us on earth as a man. <clears throat> this translation reminds us of the ancient tabernacle of Israel in the wilderness. The tabernacle foreshadowed God the Son, incarnate on earth. Let's consider a few comparisons between the Old Testament tabernacle and Christ's incarnation. See, the Bible in of itself may not make sense to you right now because... The Gospels don't make sense. When you begin to read the gospel, you'll be able to see why Genesis is there. What Leviticus, Leviticus is a book about blood and, 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 and stuff like that. And then if you, understand, if you don't understand the blood of Christ, you won't understand it. You won't be able to read Leviticus. You'd be like, man, Leviticus is boring. But we won't understand Christ in Leviticus or Christ in Deuteronomy or Christ in Joshua or Christ in Judges. You won't be able to see it. Because you don't understand that the Bible is 60, it's an encyclopedia, it's a, it's a, it's a band of books, um, all pointing to one king, one message, and one outcome, right? So when we see the Old Testament parallels, you'll begin to see, oh, they're just foreshadowing <clears throat> or showing us Christ, right? <clears throat> the Greek word for dwelt, I already read that, okay, the trans this translation reminds us of the ancient tabernacle, we already read that too. All right, here's the thing, the tabernacle was temporary. Number one, you might see this on the quiz or the test, I think. We'll see. The tabernacle was temporary. So was Christ. He was with us for about 33 years and was constantly on the move. That's significant. He knew his death date. Well, I said this in the chapel two weeks ago. We all know our birthday. My birthday is December 31st, 1985. I was two hours away from being born January 1st. I should have stayed in there. Just two more hours, but I was ready for life. But anyway, everybody knows their birthday, but nobody knows their death day. You don't know when you're leaving here. <clears throat> Jesus lived on purpose so much because him being God, he probably knew his death day. But we have to live on purpose because a lot of you all think just because you're young, you're going to live a long time. How many 16-year-olds die? 18-year-olds die? 12-year-olds die? So you have to live life on purpose. For a purpose and staying in purpose. But Christ knew, I, listen, I got to stay on the move. I got to fulfill all these prophecies. I'm on a timetable because my life is that significant. He was with us for about 33 years and was constantly on the move. Similarly, studies of the word show that Israel used the old tabernacle in the wilderness for less than 35 years. Man, Jesus, boy, the Bible is so rich, man. One day you'll fall in love with him, man. But number two, the tabernacle was outwardly unattractive. People don't notice about Jesus. He wasn't, a, he wasn't handsome. He wasn't attractive. The Bible reads in Isaiah 53, 53 2, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. I don't know if Jesus walked with a limp. I don't know if Jesus, you know, maybe a piece of wood fell on him or something, messed his face up. But he, he, because he was a carpenter's son, he wasn't attractive. Why do you think God made sure he was unattractive on earth? Why do you think he was unattractive? Yes. Good. He won't get to see because if you handsome, everybody running to you. Nobody came to adapt to Jesus. Man, you a handsome young man, man. 
You know where in the Bible you hear a bunch of girls, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. Nobody did that with Jesus. They came to him because of the what? The miracles. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, oh, Jesus telling, Jesus giving out free hot plates. Two fishes, five. Get you two fish plates free on Jesus. Jesus wasn't attractive. He hath no form, no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire. So God was like, I want you to want me for me. See, I don't, I, don't, I don't have to walk outside and be like, I got to make sure I'm the most handsome man in the world. I only got to be handsome to one woman. I, don't, I want my beauty, I want my handsomeness to be beyond the external. That's why I tell a lot of people, you know, we said this about Kanye. He says the prettiest people do the ugliest things. Pretty people have been told they've been pretty for a long time. Handsome men have been told they've been handsome for a long time, so it gets to their head. And now they never developed the character. Like, for instance, I don't think that all my adversity built my character for now. That's why I'm always hungry, not for food, but hunger. Well, yeah, for that too. But hunger for life. Because when I, you know, there was times on the basketball team where I was like, man, I didn't get what I get. It made me hungry. It made me work hard. Like, like, like your limits produce your unlimitedness, right? And so Jesus was like, I don't want y'all to come to me because I'm cute. I ain't want y'all to come to me because I'm handsome. I want you to come to me for me. That's why you don't need to compare your beauty with somebody else's beauty. You don't got to be like, I wish I was handsome like him. Or I wish I was cute like her. Why? You don't got to do that. Because true relationship is built, the bonds are built based upon purpose, based upon commonalities, based upon goals, ambitions, etc. So Jesus was outwardly unattractive. He wasn't, he, he wasn't like handsome like they got him in the movies. I wish they made a movie that really predicted the real deal. I wish they made a movie where Jesus, Jesus probably wasn't 6'5". <laughs> Jesus might have been 5'9". Imagine you 5'9". Look at <laughs> Stephanie laughing. We, we, come on. Y'all probably y'all will follow a 6'9", Jesus. <laughs> You'll probably follow a 6'5", Jesus. Oh, man, Jesus, 6'5". I got Jesus, my first pick. Maybe Jesus was 5'6". Maybe he was like, but... You know, it, it, maybe he wasn't the attractive one. Maybe he was five six. Maybe he was, you know, skinny. Maybe he was just chilling. You got to have some kind of confidence that no matter what your frame looks like, you still say, "Nah, nah, nah, nah." I'm, st I'm still. Jesus, I don't care how you see me. I might be five six. I still give you fifty. <laughs> but Jesus had hops too because he was a carpenter, so you know, carrying the wood and stuff. Jesus' calves probably was crazy, man. But anyway. Number three, the tabernacle was God's dwelling place. God lived between the cherubim above the mercy seat. There in the holies of holies, he manifested his presence by the uh, Shekinah glory. And during the years that the word tabernacle among uh, uh, and during the years that the word tabernacle among men, God dwelt in Palestine on the Mount of Transfiguration. He flashed some of his glory. Uh, remember, God is light. John was there and saw him glistening. He reminds us in verse 14 that he, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten son of the father. So we see here that, that he is light and he wants to dwell. Number four, the tabernacle was where God met man. God told Moses how to build a tabernacle and then stated, and there I will meet with thee and I will communicate with thee. Today, Christ is the meeting place between God and man. No man cometh to the Father but by me. This truth may be dis, uh, dis, uh, diagrammed as follows. Uh, let's see. 
The tabernacle was the center of Israel's camp. Well, let's go back to the tabernacle where God met men. Now, do I have to go to a mountaintop to talk to God? Do I got to go to the, to the church house to talk to God? Do I, do I got to go to a building anymore to talk to him? He's right here. It don't matter how close I get to my wife. No one, she would never be as close to God, to me, as God is to me. He's in me. The same file that, that houses the full goddess of God is in the person, the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Therefore, he is now our Siri. Or he is what they got Siri from. He's Siri's in your phone, outside your phone. It's inside your phone. So Siri's in your phone. The Holy Spirit is in your home, in your heart. So when you understand that, you can be like, all right, Holy Spirit, what should I do? To imagine if we, if we God more than Google. What if we God more than Google? What if we spirit more than we siried? Like, like, what if we really checked in ourselves and say, Holy Spirit, what should I do? What should I say? Where should I go? Imagine if we checked him off. We all, what, what are you, when you looking for stats, you know, did LeBron, how many points LeBron had? What y'all do first? Google. Or, how, well, nobody cares about LeBron. LeBron getting old. Whoever y'all favorite artist, not artist, uh, athlete is, you know, who y'all, who y'all rocking with right now? Who's y'all favorite? John Moran. Oh, man, that boy went off. They, they lost by what? Three yesterday, right? I was seeing the clips while I was holding the baby because bas basketball keeps me up. And finally, <laughs> I was holding this. I had to watch. So, Ja. Ja, uh, he, you know, they lost yesterday, but I think he, no, Steph had 46 yesterday and 47. Huh? Eight assists and eight, uh, was it rebounds? Yeah. So what I'm saying is, is that imagine if we Googled or God more than we Googled. What if we looked inside of ourselves and Holy Spirit, how are my stats today? How am I looking today? And I wish the Holy Spirit put out a hologram and be like, actually today you walked in love. 2% today. Your, your uh, uh, what's that? The um, PER for basketball and uh, that's both for football too. Your performance, some rating, whatever. Then we'll be able to say, okay, okay, I got to do better now. Or oh, the Holy Spirit just, like, if we checked him, is she a good friend? Is he a good friend? Boom. How quick does Siri respond to you? Let's do, who, man, who got their phone? That's funny. Siri's turned off. But if I was, <laughs> anybody want to anybody use that Siri? Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, I would have made about five. Anyway. $5 per, for, per phone is in this room right now. I'm just, um, but your series pretty quick. Do you know anything that's man-made cannot compete with what's God-made? Your camera phone still can't compete with the eye. Your eyes are more powerful than a camera phone. Like, like, like no matter how much the artificial intelligence is, it can't beat man intelligence. That's why they call it artificial. <laughs> it's not real intelligence. All right? So, how fast, I want, you to, I want you to remember this, that just as fast Siri is when you talk to her or him, because I think there's a man version too, um, Salmon, whatever, Siri's the girl. But anyway, just as quick as Siri is, the Holy Spirit is. I'm my jokes be, thanks, Chris. Thank, I appreciate it. Got to have family close. Family laugh at your jokes, man, when they don't know what else is. Anyway, yeah, man, so just as quick as Siri is, the Holy Spirit's like, boom, I'm that quick. But we haven't trained that muscle. We haven't given him that opportunity we haven't given him that luxury because he's a gentleman he ain't, he ain't gonna he ain't gonna wrestle you to make you do what he wants you to do you got to begin to say if siri is that quick the holy spirit is quicker and i gotta be able to tap in him a little bit more 
So now that we are out of time, what time is it? Um, 8.50. We got five minutes. We'll finish the rest of this on third. Man, I, see, I, I love this kind of stuff, man. Y'all be like, incarnation, man. I don't want to talk about that, man. But there's so much wealth in this, man. That's why I hope that my passion for the Word of God this year will kind of say, man, I want to study. Because you just don't want to read your Bible, man. Reading your Bible ain't going to do nothing for you. Reading your Bible just by reading it alone, just to get through it, just say, I did it for the day, that ain't going to do nothing for you. You got to study it. You got to understand what it's really saying. Like, the moment I started studying my Bible, I fell in love with it. Now, when I read the Bible now, I'm like, man, now I can sit at a verse for four weeks if I have to. All of my books was created off small verses. Like, reading, reading my Bible created books. Reading my Bible created video ideas. Reading my Bible, spending time with God created so much. And most of us have been conditioned to do devotions. Devotions are trash, in my opinion. Because what does devotions uh, uh, do to us? All right, I'm going to devote some time to God. I'm a, these are my devotions. I'm going to read this little paragraph. And I, No, we got to do deep dive studies. We got to go into the word and find out what the word means. Because if I don't know what the word means, how can the word change my life? Any questions? Everybody's good? Sal is still in here? She was, okay. All right. <clears throat>